Morning Liberty. What's going on, my fellow Liberty lovers? Welcome to another fantastic episode of the Good Morning Liberty podcast, the only place for all your liberty-loving endeavors. It's, it's the, the only, only one. it's yeah. the only place. That's it. It's the Good Morning Liberty podcast. We just did an interview yesterday with another Liberty podcast, but this is the only one. Yeah, we we interviewed on the <laughs> the Honoring Ron Paul podcast. Everyone go check that out. Really cool guy, very very well informed and I mean the dude's a medical professional, so we had a great talk about healthcare for sure. So we talked for what two hours? Two hours. It was awesome. Yeah, and we got to talk a lot about Ron Paul, which was yeah. nice. I love how we start the show and like we never discuss who's going to start talking first no. at all. And this time it was like a like a stare down, like we were gonna like we were gonna draw, like a you know like a duel. And we both kind of hesitated. Yeah. And then I saw you start to open your mouth, so I opened my mouth. Yeah. Which stopped you. Yeah. And yeah. so I got to do the intro this time, which is probably preferable for most of our <laughs> listeners out there. Probably less But what overall. you should do, first and foremost, is subscribe to this daggum podcast. Yeah. Now, the reason why you should subscribe, if you're listening on our website or anywhere else, for that matter, what it does is it automatically sends the very next liberty-loving best podcast episode. The best one that the you're best ever going to hear. Yeah, it's huge. To your phone. Yeah. Or whatever device you're listening on. Your tablet, your fax machine, your, your MP3 your, player, your pager. Yeah. Whatever it is. <laughs> as long as you get SIG yeah. for your beeper. <laughs> yeah. Unless you're in Caesar's Palace, then they don't know, have it there. Yeah. You can go to a payphone bank though, and then you can listen to our podcast over the payphone. Yeah. <laughs> Just so, dial. Don't worry. <laughs> don't worry. I'll, we'll give you our number if right. you need it. If you're if you're in need of the podcast and all that is close to you is a payphone bank, send us uh, I don't know. Just dial dial four one one and ask for and for our number and be connected and we will play the podcast for you. Just call us collect. Yep, yep. <laughs> we'll so, accept the charges. How was your weekend, man? I I had a just overall. Well, it was a weekend. It was a typical weekend in Nashville for me. Yeah. Which is me trying to remodel my kitchen at my house. <laughs> it's just an ongoing thing. If you guys remember, I thought you just asked me about my weekend. And you just went into yours. Yeah. Well, it's, it's more important. Okay. What yeah. my weekend was. What's so, happening with your cabinets? Just, you know, I think we finally settled on, on a paint color where we've brought home our I, sixth Actually, gallon. I think you've settled on a paint color, yeah. but they haven't been able to make it correctly. It's been, you guys can go to about 196 episodes ago and we were talking about how I couldn't get a paint store to make the paint color that I needed. We kept taking it home and it was so far off from the actual paint ship and we kept taking can paint home and paint them and be like oh that's supposed to be blue but it's purple or that's supposed to be blue but it's green finally finally we got something that resembles a close enough color to the one that we were looking for that we're just going to go with it so i'm finally after all this time i get to start remodeling my kitchen now yeah just those greedy capitalist paint store owners i know you know they're taking advantage of, it's exploitation that's, and monopoly power that's is, exactly what it is, is what they're exercising even though i went to like eight different stores so far and dealt with corporate and did all kinds of crap and uh but no it's a it's capitalism it's, but you know it's the, the fault as as terrible as this whole process has been like you wish you just could get the regular paint right like yeah. i just want the paint just, the same day that i went there three months ago yeah i just want the color the, but, hey, hey look you got a color on your wall it says i can get that color you just make me the color and i'll take it home and paint my cabinets right. like, it seems easy enough but throughout all their mistakes and headaches and everything you know they've they've 
given you the free paint now, right? They, they did well, except for the first two gallons that we bought, we had to pay for those. So we've paid for three out of the six gallons that we brought home so far. Oh, I think you should get more money back than that. Yeah, yeah, I know, I do too. Yeah, I do too. But uh, anyway, apparently how, you're not a good negotiator. Maybe you should listen to some Jordan Peterson on how to negotiate. You were there with me. We spent four and a half hours at the paint store, making sure that I saved. You know $60. how much money we lost? A lot of day? money. Yeah, yeah. It, yeah. but it was the principle. It, it was. was the principle that mattered. How was your weekend, Charlie? That's more important. I did. I have a good weekend. If you notice, we unfortunately missed Friday's episode. Yeah, um, there was some unexpected things I had to do. I was out of the office. And uh, I told Nate that he wasn't allowed to do the show by himself anymore because, you know, I'm that egotistical. He took the soundboard and the microphones (laughs) with him, would not let me do anything. No, that's not true. We we had some unexpected things happen on Friday, so uh, the weekend was a little bit busy for me and, um, you know, but I was able to get some, some work done yesterday. We did a, we did a, a podcast, an interview coming out, hopefully, uh, in a couple of weeks. Um, and then well, last you can night, actually get it on that podcast right now, the honoring Ron Paul podcast. Oh, nice. It's yeah. already, I was just listening to it. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. So honoring Ron Paul podcast, go look that up and you can hear parts of our interview and then we're going to post it probably here in a, a couple of weeks. Yeah. So on our channel, uh, for another day that we're going to be missing because you know, we do this show five days a week. Uh, when we're able to, yeah. When, <laughs> so when when we want to, look, there's life that gets in the way, and uh, and today we're not doing it live, unfortunately, because we weren't able to do that even. But you know, you got to do what you got to do. That's what this whole thing is about. This this podcast is about life, liberty, and the pursuit of meaning. And uh, sometimes there's going to be wrenches thrown in your plans. Let's yeah. say, and so how do you overcome that adversity? Just you just got to push through it and get over it. Exactly. Yeah. Um, pick I, yourself up by your bait straps. I saw a really great quote that I wanted to tell everyone. I saw, um, I believe Jason Stapleton posted this quote, and it was one of the better motivating quotes um, that, that I've ever seen. You know, we're, we're really big on motivation and trying to achieve our full potential. That's why we're always trying to start businesses and doing this podcast and doing all kinds of things. Uh, this quote, just, you know, just think about it. Think about it said, someone once told me the definition of hell. It's the last day you have on earth. The person you became will meet the person you could have become. I mean, that's, that's tough. That's rich. That's tough. When Compelling I thought about, when I thought about how, can you imagine how terrible that would be to be someone that, that never tried for anything, that never took risks, never put the work in that you needed to put in, and didn't do everything that you could have done to achieve all the things that you wanted to achieve. And your last day on earth, you get to meet the person that you, that you could have been. That would just be the most terrible thing I can't imagine. That really does sound like hell to me. Yeah. It sounds terrible. That is hell. Yeah. You know, the number one regret when people on their deathbeds, the number one regret is all the things they didn't do. Mm -hmm. And so you are just, it's so strange really, but you're, born with this unbelievable potential and the only person that has control over that potential like we even like it, like we know what potential means but it's like what you could become the only one who has any control over that is you it's not the government it's not the choices that they make it's not your politics or the state you live in or whatever especially in america now you could say this may be true of north korea like they don't you, they don't really have the choice of no. their un, untapped potential but God, in America, even as as all the things that we complain about, you still have full control over your 
potential. Yeah. Th- that- and why do, do you want to make it? God, the reason we do this is because do you want to have your last days whenever that is for you? Do you want to sit there and say, God, I wish I would have done all of this. Like, I wish I would have just risked it because now here I am, or I wish I would have spent more time doing this or more time doing that. And, you know, that's the way I look at a lot of things in life. I had a discussion with somebody the other day and we disagreed on some parenting tactics, which is fine. No big deal. You can obviously have your disagreements. Um, But I just kind of said, like, look, the way I look at it is, you know, at the end of my life, am I going to say, man, I really wish I got Parker down for that nap right at 11 o'clock or I'm glad I stayed at his cousin's birthday party for, you know, an extra 30 minutes to have that family time. Yeah. You know, that important time. Now I get like obviously having a kid and having him on structure and they need some type of structure. It's not like Parker stays up till two o'clock in the morning, just partying, you know, doing cocaine and stuff. (laughs) You know, there's obviously, that you know, he has rules, you know, but you have to ask, you literally have to ask yourself that question. Nate, you put this in perspective for me a long time ago. Um, I don't know if you remember this or not. I don't. I was probably drunk. No, you weren't actually. Oh, this okay. was before you started drinking. Oh, okay. I remember that I had a really good job at McDonald's. I was a manager there. And for my age, I was like 18 years old. Um, you know, I was making like 13 bucks an hour. And uh, I was the highest paid person in our band, probably. <laughs> and... <laughs> yeah. uh, and uh, I was going to school and uh, to become a nurse. I was doing everything the right way and taking like 30 hours of college credits a semester. And I was in a band and doing all this stuff. And Nate said to me, he's like, look, when you get old before you die, are you going to look back on your life and wish you would have worked that extra shift to McDonald's? Or are you going to go on freaking tour with us? <laughs> so it was me persuading you to quit your job yeah. so we could go on tour. So, so I quit my job. <laughs> I quit my job. I quit school and I went on tour. You left the security. I did. And you took a risk. And I took the risk. Yeah. And, and, and look where it led you. And look where it led me into Nashville. And I was still just sitting here in a room with me. <laughs> that's, that's what it was. It's secretly, you, yeah. were, you were randing me. You were Ayn Randing me. Uh, it was selfish. I was just trying to keep you around. That's all it was. But no, I mean, take all the risks you can, especially if you're, if you're under, if you're under 60 years old. Even if you're 60, it's never too late to start anything. Listen, that's 2020. You probably got 30 years left if you're 60. Okay. Take some more risks. If you lose everything, uh, look how many people have built themselves up to billionaire status by the time they turn 30. If you're 60, you still have time to risk everything because it's worth it. And if you're young, if you're, you know, I'm 30, am I 31 or 32? I'm 32. 32. Yeah. I'm 32. I've still got two more entire lifetimes left. And I've always said when I was playing music and when I was doing all that stuff, it was very tough living in a van, literally. And I always said I would rather live in a cardboard box in an alley than quit, than give up on this. I'm going to do every single thing I possibly can. And I did. I took out I took out personal loans. I took out business loans. I took out credit cards. I, I borrowed money. I had all kinds of stuff so I could pursue that dream. And I, you know, I, I paid it off all for a long, you know, it took a while to pay it all back, but it was completely worth it. It was 100% worth it. And all that time where I was stressing and worried about money and, and worried about where I was, that's all in the past now. And now I've, you know, I'm where I am now because of all of that. And you are who you are. 
I am who I am. I have the experiences I've had. Still I've, in a room with me. Yeah, still sitting in the room with you. I'm not sure this is a great endorsement of this ideology yet. Yeah, it's a good. This is a nice room. Yeah, you it's know? A, it's we're a not good live room. today, but you no. know, we do go live, and it's yeah. it's a good studio office that we got going on here. <laughs> and uh, life is well. We're able to spend all sorts of money on all kinds of stupid stuff. Um, and life is going really good. We've got a couple businesses that we're running, and you know, it's never. I, I saw um, one of the Shark Tank uh, episodes recently, uh, which I love that show. By the way, it just gives you all kinds of ins- inspiration. Yeah. But the lady who had the idea for Squatty Potty, which now is a company that's worth like half a billion dollars, which is a step stool for pooping. It's a pooping step stool. Yeah, you put your feet on it while you're pooping. She was fifty eight. Yeah, like fifty eight years old, and she was, you know getting close to retirement and didn't have any retirement savings. And she decided to do squatty potty, had some online sales, took it to shark tank. And then I think she literally sold her share in the company. She built her dream house and yeah. she's got millions to live off of now. Yeah. Like what? That's awesome. Yeah. You know, she can take a private plane somewhere now. Like she has the freedom to live out the less, you know, the rest of her life, how she's always wanted. It's, it's never too late. It's never too late. It no. doesn't matter where you're at in life. I'm going to go start a new business right after this podcast, I think. <laughs> now, Just, look. I'm inspired. It, with Nate taking out all those loans and stuff, I'm, I wouldn't suggest just go, you know, sign on the dotted line and do all kinds of crazy stuff. You have to be, you have to think it through some. Yeah, well, I took, start- out, I took out a loan so I could pay the payments on the other loan. So I was good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're fine. <laughs> you were fine. Yeah. But but really, you should start if you're in that place and you're thinking, God, man, I've got some regrets or I don't want to have any regrets. And, and what is my ten- what is my potential? What can I be? What am I capable of? You know, I like Jordan Peterson says, like, God only knows what yeah. you're capable of, man. You get yourself together. It's, and it's, it's better than this. Yeah, right. It's always better. And there's going to be several of you's. To go along. Yeah. So what you need to do is, is uh, I saw another great quote that I like a lot. It says, a dream written down becomes a goal. A goal uh, with actionable, actionable steps that you need to do to take <coughs> becomes a plan. And that plan uh, executed with your actionable steps becomes reality. I like so, it. So take your goals, whatever you are. If you want to be a billionaire, write that down. And yeah. Then, and then, or, or sorry, dream. If your dream is to be a billionaire, have private planes, fly wherever you want to, give back to your community, you know, build a hospital for people, whatever, whatever your dreams are, you just write that down. And actually tell some people about those too. Yeah. they hold be, you accountable. So you can be accountable. Post it on Facebook, write out a list of your goals, say what you're going to do, say what the goals you're going to achieve are. And you're going to feel a, a lot more. Welcome all the haters. Yeah. Because everybody's going to be like, yeah, right. You yeah. can't do that. Yeah. No way. Don't, you know, don't no say way, your, no how. Don't set your sides too high. You should be happy with what you have. All that n- naysayer BS that people who haven't achieved a whole lot are going to tell you so they can justify where they are in their lives. So they're going to tell you all these things. Don't listen to it. Put down your goals. Be accountable. And you'll have a lot higher chance of hitting them. Like Jordan Peterson always says, the probability that that you're just going to wander around aimlessly without any type of target, without any type of goal, without aiming at something and actually hit the target is is near zero. 
It's it's zero. Imagine you're going to, oh, I need to throw this dart at this board. Let me close my eyes and spin around a bunch, and I'm just going to randomly throw this dart. Is it going to hit it? No. you got to set out a target. Set out your goal. And just purely setting out that goal will exponentially increase your chance of actually hitting that goal. If you don't make the goal, if you don't set out the plan, the chance that you're actually going to hit that goal is 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 nothing. It's not going to happen. And look at this. What if your goal is a billion dollars? Yeah. And then you like say you're whatever 30 years old i'm 31 my goal is a billion yeah trillion actually so yeah. billions too small my now. goal is a, dr- a trillion yeah yeah so anyway break that up so i've got whatever i've got six maybe 60 years left so over those 60 years how much money do i need to make per year and then break that down per month and then you figure out okay i got to get to this point per month to reach that billion and then you break those actionable steps out and here's the here's the coolest part is if you never make it to the billion but you got to 10 million yeah, or 20 million or 50 million. Like, are you going to be mad at yourself about that? Probably. Yeah, (laughs) I will be, but, but, but not really, because (laughs) this is what I told my mom. My mom just started a business at, um, uh, how old's my mom now? 50 something, 58, maybe, maybe 50. Cheryl, if that's too much. Yeah. And, uh, she just started a business and, uh, that's been growing and doing well. And it's never too late. It's never too late to start any of that. And you figure out what your goal is. And I told my mom, I was like, man, you know, imagine by the time you turn uh, 65 or 70 or whatever, and then your company's worth a million or 2 million or 3 million or whatever, and you sell it off. Like, hey, look at all the structure I've built. Here's all my clients. This is what it's worth. Anybody want to purchase this? And now you retire. You sold your business. Maybe you didn't, you set a $10 million goal. Maybe you didn't make it there, but you made it to three or four or five. Yeah. You know, that what's that quote by Michelangelo? It's not that our it's not that our aim is too high and we miss it, it's that it's too low and we achieve it. Yeah. So sets set those dreams high, man. Okay. Let fly. Show over. Thanks, guys. We'll talk to you guys tomorrow. <laughs> now we got a little bit of news items to do today. We had to throw out some motivation. It's always good. It's motivation Monday. Well, that's part of the meaning part of the podcast. It is. It's very important. Because life without meaning is no life at all. You no. Just, if you wander around aimlessly, then eventually you have no reason to get out of bed. And either th- that typically leads to suicide or, or it leads to just uh, depression. Well, it leads to depression, which could ultimately lead to the resentful, yeah. uh, resentfulness and hatred, which ultimately leads to guys like, you know, the, Col- the Columbine shooters or Sandy Hook or, yeah. or the Las Vegas or whatever. You become so full of. Uh, uh, hatred for life itself that not only do you think you shouldn't exist, but you should take out as many people as possible on the way on the way down. Yeah. Or you go slightly more peaceful and you just become a Bernie Sanders supporter. Yeah. You know? yeah. I, don't, I don't know. You just become a devout socialist. So in this pursuit of meaning, <laughs> you got to defeat socialism along the way. Yeah. Well, you have to. Yeah. You have to. So I wanted to talk about this is something we haven't talked about, which is this cash bail reform in, in New York. This is something that we really haven't talked about. I know where I come down philosophically on it, but I, I will say from my libertarian perspective, and I don't know exactly where Charlie is, I do not know exactly what the answer is. I know what my philosophical, ideological, what my answer is for it, but we're seeing some results and it's not, it's just, it's not looking very good for the people in the area overall. And I just wanted to pose the question what we should do about this. So this is from the Daily Wire. Uh, New York Police Department Police Commissioner. Crime has skyrocketed because of Democrats' bail reform. From the Daily Wire. Thanks, Ben. 
NYPD Police Commissioner Dermot Shea blame is that is that Shea. What Shea blamed Democrats' bail reform during the press conference on Friday, saying that it was responsible for an explosion of crime around the city. Since 2020 began, as of Friday at midnight, robberies are up 32.5 percent. Car theft is up 61%, and burglaries are up 18%. Now, keep in mind, that's for the month of January. That's Three not, weeks. That's, this is not a very good statistical sample of, yes. of how this is going to happen. Let's see. And the numbers aren't fractions either. A total of 233 more robberies have happened this year compared to last. 159 more car thefts and 125 more burglaries just in the last three weeks. In the first three weeks of this year, we're seeing significant spikes in crime. So either we forgot how to police New York City or there's a correlation, Shea said. If you let out individuals that commit a lot of crime, that's precision policing in reverse. And we're seeing the effects in a very quick time. And that is why we're so concerned. You have to have a situation where dangerous individuals or individuals that repeatedly commit crimes and victimize people are kept in, Shea added. And if judges don't have that ability, I think we're all in trouble. And I don't think any New Yorker wants that to happen. Department New, York, New Yorker. <laughs> New Yorker. Department of Corrections statistics show there were a total of 5,569 people in jails on Thursday, a 19% drop from the 6877 counted on November 21st, the New York Post reported. Despite freed defendants getting busted for more alleged crimes, including accused bank robber Jared Woodbury and alleged anti-Semitic slapper Tiffany Harris, Government Andrew Cuomo didn't mention bail reform during his annual State of the State address, and legislative leaders aren't making any moves to change the law. Okay, so this whole thing is, here's the deal. When you get arrested for a crime, you have to post bail, correct? Now, this is something that I've actually posted support of, a, of something that Bernie Sanders has talked about before, because he has said that we needed to end cash bail. I understand the I understand both sides of this argument. If you're a police officer, you literally just arrested someone because you saw them committing a crime, and then you put them and you place a bail on it. The problem is, some people, if you are poor, if you don't have any money, or if you can't get a, a bail bond or whatever it is, then you end up sitting in jail while other people who simply the only differing factor was that they had money or they had the ability to get someone to front their bail money. The only differing factor is that because that person had money, they were able to get out of jail and not be left in jail. And so I understand both sides of this argument. I really, I really do. The, the problem we have here is that in, in America, Obviously, and I've heard a lot of Republicans make this argument a lot lately when it comes to other movements, you are innocent until you are proven guilty. As a person, as a human being, you are innocent until you are proven guilty in a court of law. Meaning that when you get arrested, when something happens, you are not yet someone who has been proven guilty of a crime by the state. Can that state hold you in a cell, hold you against your will? If you have not been proven guilty of committing a crime, that is, that is the question that I have. Like I said, I understand both sides. Obviously, a cop, I just busted you. You were stealing from this house. I arrested you. You're guilty of the crime. Literally, I just arrested you while you were doing it. I know you're guilty of the crime. The state knows you're guilty of the crime. 
but what what do you do? The legal process hasn't been gone through yet. They haven't been found guilty. And then you've got the contradiction of people who have money in some kind of way, or they can get someone to front their bail money. Uh, simply, I guess, by the Ben Shapiro Daily Wire logic, those people aren't as dangerous. And that's simply because they had the money to pay their bail. So I, I don't know... I just don't know exactly what the answer is to this problem. I think it boils down to incentive. Yeah. So according to the Constitution, we'll start there, that um, you cannot be deprived of life, liberty, or property, and and this is the uh, Fourth Amendment, without due process of law. And the due process of law starts with arrest, um, and then you're guaranteed a trial, and you are innocent until proven guilty. However, within that due process of law, they can hold you until your trial begins. Um, but the eighth amendment of the constitution says that excessive bail shall not be required, nor excessive fines imposed, nor cruel or, and unusual punishments inflicted. So what they can't do is, uh, hold you against your will. If you haven't been proven guilty yet, um, by excessive means. Um, and then while they hold you, there's no cruel and unusual punishment, even if you are, uh, found guilty. So I think ultimately it's incentive. So, for instance, the the incentive to um, pay your your bail that you get back, by the way, if you show up for your trial, has to be a an amount that creates an incentive for that person not to commit another crime while they're outside of jail waiting for their trial or flee the country or anything of that sort. Yeah. So, um, so really. So, would you say that you're against this New York City bail reform? Well, maybe they should make it based on income or something. I don't know. I, how, what, I, don't, know what the, I don't know what their form is. What did they do? If it's based on income, you, you can lose the incentive purely based on the fact that you're, that you're, that you're poor. Maybe you know? they write IOUs or something like yeah. that. <laughs> <laughs> I don't, uh, like I said, I don't know what the perfect libertarian answer is to this. I don't think there is because one. Because the state has to prove that you're guilty of a crime. And I can't... I, I've, philosophically, I cannot condone you being held in a cell without uh, being proven guilty of a crime. I have one solution. Yeah. Uh, how about we clean up the criminal justice system to where you don't have to wait a month for your trial to begin? Yeah. Like, what if you got arrested one day and you, got, you had to go to jail and then the next day your trial started? Yeah, I could do that. You know? But of course, you need uh, discovery for evidence and all that kind of stuff, too. So I don't know that maybe there's... Maybe there's a, uh, or for instance, your, you know, your, I don't know when hearings start, but usually I think there are a couple of days or a couple of weeks, probably depending on how backed up the court system is. Maybe there has to be sufficient proof um, to hold you in jail. There has to be some, the prosecution has to say they have to submit video evidence or whatever and be like, Hey, this, uh, we're suspecting this person of committing a crime and we shouldn't let them out before their trial because we see here video evidence. They were clearly, yeah. you know, taking cash out of the register. I think and they don't work there. So you hit on one thing that's definitely where I didn't go down deep enough. I'm we're, we are talking about the symptom of a problem right now, which which I don't like doing. Typically, yeah. this is a symptom of a problem. Obviously, um, you know, what if cops weren't out there chasing down everyone who they think they suspect might have some weed on them? 
you know, what what if the yeah. jails weren't full of people that were like that? You know, nothing with drug crimes where people where there were no victims. Or we weren't tying up judges times, uh, you know, with speeding tickets and all that. Yeah. Horse. So so you have you have a situation here where we are talking about a symptom of a problem and you could clean up the justice system a lot. I think where I understand how this can be misconstrued by the left as an unfairness simply because, you know, we're talking about we're talking about the danger of letting someone out who has committed a crime or how you don't want to you don't want to let them out because maybe they could be a harm to society. But where this can be misconstrued is unfair as apparently as long as the criminal has money then it's then it's okay it's okay for them to go back out in society so that's where where bernie is able to pinpoint a problem here where if you don't have the cash for your bail you sit in the jail when if there's a really successful criminal that has a lot of money then they can actually pay and get themselves out so so i can see where i can see where this can just easily be misconstrued as just another part of an unfair and unjust system that discriminates against poor people and is against the minorities and and whatever it is that they want to portray this as i understand how it can be portrayed that way and i don't think the enti- i don't think the argument is entirely wrong because like i said if the argument is that these people shouldn't be back out on society because they're dangerous then you should just be arguing that they're that you shouldn't be let out of jail at all. Not that if you don't have money to post your bail, then you should have to stay in jail. You're not making an argument about safety at that point in time. You're making an argument about who has the most money in their bank account. Well, I think this is where the reasonable standardness could play a part, right? Because there's no this. It's not black and white, right? I think it depends on. I think it depends on the the for a judge to judge. Yeah. I mean, that's their job to say, based on reasonable standards, this person's conduct, their history, their likelihood, like a, you know, like an insurance would say, uh, your likelihood of crashing a car since you've had 15 uh, in the first four years uh, is pretty high. So we're going to make you pay a little more. Ooh, should we all be able to purchase bail insurance? How about that? Yeah, possible. Man. I'm not even, but I'm saying they could, the judge could say. You, you guys could, see how easy it is to create a multi-billion dollar idea on a Monday? <laughs> Bail insurance. Yeah. Everyone pay. Everyone pays $5 a month. That's all you got to pay. And hey, if you end up going to jail, yeah, we'll front. We'll front the 50K or whatever the 10K or whatever it is to get you out of jail. No problem. Most people will probably never need it. It's okay. Yeah. We'll need to lobby the government to make it mandatory. Right. But I mean, hey, it's an idea. It is. So <laughs> Thurston's uh, bail bonds. Yeah. Uh, now there's insurance. probably a government regulation that will stop us from being able to create that. Yeah. I will say. Um, so uh, speaking of incentives, we had a Instagram follower that sent us the idea of talking about that Elizabeth Warren video where someone, I believe in Iowa, a father questioned her about whether or not he could get the money back that he saved up and spent uh, for his kid's education while other people didn't save up money. And uh, I can't remember the user's name, sorry, but thank you for sending this over as an idea. Um, This is a good conversation about incentives too. So let me play this play this real quick. Democrat Elizabeth Warren's plan for student loan forgiveness is becoming a very hard sell for some financially responsible Americans. One father 
calling her out in Iowa. Take a listen. I just want to ask one question. My daughter's getting out of school. I've saved all my money. She doesn't have any school. Am I going to get my money back? So you're going to pay for people who didn't save any money, and those of us that did the right thing get screwed. No, it's not anybody got screwed. Of course we did. My buddy had fun, bought a car, went on vacations. I saved my money. He made more than I did. But I worked a double shift, worked extra. My daughter worked, she was 10. So you're laughing. Yeah, that's exactly what you're doing. We did the right thing, and we get screwed. Lou, how? So, good job. Makes a solid point. Good there. job, dude. And his buddy got new cars, went on vacations, yeah. and he didn't sacrifice at all. See, and so his daughter's got, you know, whatever, the $100,000. I don't know. I'm making the number up. But yeah. she's got a significant amount in student loans, and this is going to be forgiven, according to Elizabeth Warren. But the guy who did things, quote unquote, the right way, who worked double shifts, extra jobs, saved up his money, didn't go on vacations, didn't buy the new car so his daughter could go to school debt free. Yeah. Up yours, man. You see how this is a this is a good conversation about incentives because this guy's mentality now is we got screwed. I did the right thing and I got screwed. Mm-hmm. Therefore, uh, showing that you're entering into a society where the incentive to do the right thing, to save your money, to act responsibly, to not buy things you don't need, the incentive is gone. It's gone. Now. It's all gone. And it's like, I agree with him. Like, why couldn't he get his money back? And then he could invest it or have that nest egg or whatever, whatever it was, 30, 40, 50, hundred thousand dollars that he paid yeah. for his daughter to go to college. You get all that money back and he, maybe he'll take the family on a giant big vacation to Hawaii or something yeah. for a month. Yeah. You yeah. know, it's a, three weeks, probably it's going to be really hundred grand. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be really infuriating for all the people who paid off their student loans or have paid the big portion of their student loans if they come out and they forgive all of the current student loans, it's going to be very, very frustrating. And actually, since I've paid a big portion of my student loans, I would like to argue for student loans reparations for all of us who have paid our student loans, who have suffered a lower standard of living and have actually put money, gave money to the government or the colleges, whoever eventually ended up with the bulk of the money. Um, I suffered a lower standard of living for a lengthy amount of time and now, on top of that, my tax money is going to be used for other people to, to not have to do that same thing. Yeah. I need reparations for this. It's only it's fair. Unf- it's, it's, this, is com- this is completely unfair. And uh, I don't know. I think that just looking at the incentives, I made a joke to my mom uh, last weekend, maybe the weekend, uh, weekend before. I was up there and she was like... Uh, you know, how long do you have on your student loans to pay off? And I was like, I don't know, probably another 10 or 15 years, something like that. And I was like, really, I mean, I'm just going to pay the minimum because the next Democrat that gets elected, they're going to forgive them. So I really don't need to worry about paying them anyway. And it was, it was a joke. It was a, you know, funny but true kind of joke. But it's like, what's my incentive to actually pay towards these loans right now? None. We're going to have a Democrat at Zilch. some point in time in the office. Nada. And they're going to click... They're going to click a button in the computer and the, and the debt won't exist anymore, uh, you know, in, to our faces. We won't see that it exists anymore. Yeah. It'll still be there. But, you know, where's my incentive to actually be responsible and pay that back? There, there just isn't one. No. There's no point in trying to pay your student loans right now. Well, and then so going back to this whole jail thing, there's no incentive for 
these people not to commit more crimes. Yeah. It's like, well, there's not going to be any repercussions from I'll it. I mean, jail for a day and then they're going to let me out again because there's no bail because I'm poor and I'll yeah. steal another car. Maybe I'll get away with this one. Yeah. Save up some money for my family. <laughs> like there has to be th- this people want black and white answers. Yeah. And the problem is it doesn't exist. It doesn't exist in the structure of reality. Yeah. Like mother nature isn't black and white. You know what I mean? Like it doesn't, you know, drop a tornado in you know, Kansas and not Illinois for no reason or whatever. Like it's, <laughs> it's all, uh, it's, it's all shades of gray. Yeah. You know, well, it's, it's just, I think that's what that 50 shades of gray book is about. That's I, yeah, it is. I read it. That's what it was about. Yeah, it's for about sure. the structure of reality yeah, and how eco- it's all gray. Yeah. Economics and all kinds of stuff. 50 shades. Um, you know, if you, you don't know a lot of things for sure in economics, but you can make a pretty good estimation on the outcome that something is going to have purely by looking at the incentive structure that that plan creates. And that's, you know, you, we can talk about how this plan is going to help these people and it's going to fix this problem. Those are just talking points for all of these laws. And we, everyone listening to this podcast, as far we know that. We all know that. But if you ever want to know what a plan's going to do, just look at the incentive structure that it sets up. And like I said on the Honoring Ron Paul podcast yesterday, we, we tax production and we subsidize bad decisions. And what is your society going to look like if you continuously tax people who are responsible and productive? And you use that money to subsidize people who are irresponsible and unproductive. Which one are you going to get more of in the balance over time? And you always have to look at the incentive structure. Elizabeth Warren's incentive structure, number one, it doesn't add any incentive for a college to ever try and lower the cost of their college classes whatsoever. That's what the government's been doing for decades now, basically, by putting all this taxpayer money into the market, similar to the healthcare market. As they keep adding this money in, there's no incentive for them to ever charge a lower price. Why would you? You've got free money coming towards you all the time. The government's going to pay whatever you say that you're charging. Like you're a like you're a, a a military jet manufacturer, you might as well put a thirty-five million dollar price tag on it because they're going to pay it. Who cares? So you can you can do all these these kinds of things, and and that's the incentive structure that sets up. Human beings need incentives. We need a reason to be better. We need a reason to be more efficient. We need a reason to work harder. We all we all do. Otherwise, we will just sit on the couch, streaming Netflix for twenty hours a day, and fall asleep for four hours, and wake up and start doing it again. And that's basically what we would do without a single incentive. Most people. I mean, I know some people wouldn't do that. Yeah. But we need some type of uh, some type of incentive. So you always have to look at what the incentive structure is that is set up. When it comes to the cash bail thing, I can't tell you what the proper answer is, but we can tell you what the incentive structure is. We can tell you what the likely outcome will be. And like Charlie said, what the likely outcome will be, which we'll already seen is that there is less of an incentive to try and not do wrong because you won't be able to be pay the bail and you'll be stuck in jail. The that incentive is removed uh, and now you're you're removing that reason to not do something bad and and statistically you're just going to get more crime because of it. Now I'm not saying either one of them is the perfect answer. Some of you guys can chime in and let us know what you think it is. But you can look at the incentive structure it sets up and be able to guess what kind of an outcome it's going to have. It's it's not that hard. Well, and first of all, you're not going to prevent all crime. 
No. So that's never going to happen. And second of all, you're not going to prevent all repeated crime. No. So the people who have committed crimes before, you're not going to stop them from committing them again. Uh, and the other thing is that you're, you're not going to, nothing's going to be black and white. So these honestly have to be on a case by case basis. And the only way to make it better is to speed it up. And that we're bogged. The criminal justice system is bogged down, not only with, you know, victimless crimes like speeding and all that kind of stuff where there's nobody that's ever harmed. Yeah. Um, but so you have all these judges backed up by all these cases and you have, uh, you know, plea deals and all these things that are just wrong where people are actually, you know, 90% of cases don't even get a fair trial. Yeah. You're like, uh, you scare them by saying, Oh, you know, we'll we'll give you the death penalty. Yeah. If you don't agree to this, you know, you didn't wear your seatbelt. <laughs> <laughs> so you better plea. You better say guilty, not wearing your seatbelt because otherwise it's off to the death penalty <laughs> off chamber with your, off with your head <laughs> and you're like well god that sounds terrible I'm, i might as well agree to this yeah uh even whether you committed the crime or not so so there's many problems and i think the way to tackle this um the problems that new york is having is to make the to make it better is you have to judge it on a case-by-case basis using a reasonable standard based on the person's history and all that kind of stuff. The prosecution, the state needs to present evidence to say, Hey, this person is fine to go home. Like they're, they made a mistake. You know, we have evidence, but their history's clean. They've never committed an act before. We don't think the probability of them committing another crime is low in our statistical data, you know, based, this is what insurance companies do or whatever. They try to yeah. predict what the likelihood of you doing something is going to be. You're never going to be right. Yeah. You, you're going to get it wrong sometimes, but you can use statistics in your favor and they can make that recommendation. Then a judge has to do his job of uh, his or her job of judging whether based on the probability that this person is going to commit another crime or not, whether they're free to go until their trial starts. And I think that's the only way to really do it. And it's never going to be perfect because we don't no. live in a perfect world. It's not going to be perfect. We don't have nobody's perfect. People aren't perfect. Yeah. And Kapistan is not going to be perfect. No. It will be ran by, uh, uh, sorry, excuse my language. It will be ran by human beings. I know you think it won't be ran by anyone. Yeah. But your anarchist world will be ran by someone because someone will have the power of force over other people. So there will be some type of government still, even though you will ban that word from existence, uh, it will still be some type of government even though that won't be what you call it and they will do it poorly and they will they will do it imperfectly so it's just it it's it is what it is like i said if you guys have a a perfect liberty answer for this question let me know because i am completely open to hear what that is charlie you got to go here in a couple minutes right i do but i wanted to mention this thing real quick we got about four minutes left here um another story out of virginia by the way so we did that coverage on the second amendment rally and all of that they ended up i think passing i don't think they've completely passed it but it looks like the red flag laws and stuff are going to go through but here's another bill introduced in the virginia house it says virginia this is the article and uh this is coming from uh, kind of a blog site. It's uh, law enforcement technical staff or whatever. But I, I did the digging for all of you guys to let you know that it is real. So it says Virginia politicians push bill to make criticizing state leaders criminal offense. Mm-hmm. So how about that? Mm. Now, obviously, you do not 
want to make any sort of death threats or bodily harm threats to anybody. That's already a crime. Yeah. Now, what this bill does is if you do that to somebody who is the governor or governor elect or the lieutenant governor or the lieutenant governor elect, the attorney general or a member of the general assembly or anybody in the basically the Virginia state. Um, Higher level uh, government uh, officials. Exactly. Yeah. If you do that against them and it becomes the highest felony in Virginia. So if you do it to a regular person, it's a class five felony. If you do it to one of them, now it's a class six. One of the elite. So so make sure you don't uh, do it to one of them, which is wrong, by the way, because now we're setting it as a higher standard for those people. Yeah, aren't politicians just the people? They're, They're supposed to be just like us, only we've sent them as our representation to to do things. Right. You know? No, nope. they're 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 a notch above us. Just in case you guys didn't right. know, they're they're above us. The so now, the government is not the people of the people by the people for the people. They're above you. It's, Sorry, had to cut in there. No, it's fine. <laughs> so it's it's going from a class five felony to a class six, which is wrong. But the the biggest thing in here is the amendment to um to this bill. Um, and it's you guys can look this up. The uh, the House bill is number 1627, and it amends 18.2-60, 18.2-60.1, 83-152, and 4.30. So you can look all that up if you go to Virginia. Um, all of this is public information. So if they get this bill through, what really strikes me as a problem here is they have uh, a section here. Uh, it's 18.2-152.7. Uh, semicolon one, which is harassment by computer penalty. So it reads here, if any person <clears throat> with the intent to coerce, intimidate or harass any person. Now that's a crime. Yeah, that's a crime. Um, shall use, but here's the problem. Here it goes. Shall use a computer or computer network to communicate obscene, vulgar, profane, lewd, less vicious, or indecent language or make any suggestion or proposal of an obscene nature or threaten any illegal or moral act. Well, the threaten the illegal or moral act, that's fine. Uh, is guilty of a class one misdemeanor um, and a violation of the section may be prosecuted when it's against the governor, governor elect, any no, of the like, high give me, officials. Give me all those descriptive words about so, the language again. So if you use a computer, computer network to communicate obscene, vulgar, profane, lewd, less vicious, or indecent language. None of those are legal standard words, by the way. No. There, there are no, like, this is obscene. This is vicious. This is vulgar. This is vulgar. You know, the, these are completely arbitrary. They're all, it, it depends on the, it depends on from person to person who, who considers them to be that thing. Right. Some it, people think the F word is vulgar. Other people don't. Yeah. Yeah. Like Gary, Gary V uses it all the time. Yeah. And he, it's just a fine word it's for him. Just another word. Yeah. But apparently uh, they're going to get this uh, while well, they're trying, obviously, to introduce this amendment. Um, also, if you make any suggestion or proposal of an obscene nature. So, so <laughs> okay. <laughs> basically, if you're thinking about obscene things. Yeah. The problem it's, is, what does this mean? Like, what are those words? Now look, a class one misdemeanor is not a big deal. That's kind of like a... A speeding ticket, I guess, or whatever. It's yeah. It's not a high, but still, it, you're making it a crime and or a fine on the freedom of speech, basically. Yeah, I mean, these are like barely... if I want to say the governor of a Virginia is a no good p 
piece of crap yeah. or whatever. Yeah. Then I should be able to say that. Like the governor of Virginia sucks. I consider that to be vulgar. Charlie off with your head. Right. Exactly. Yeah. And see, this is the dangerous precedent and tyranny that's uh, happening in what was once the great state of Virginia. Now, if Trump's listening. He's like, why are you being so nice? I mean, yeah, come on. Right. You know, it just depends on who's who's listening to the words. It depends on how you were raised. It depends yeah. on what your mindset is. And it's all it's completely different for everyone. You can't have a legal. You can't have a law. Man, someone got paid to sit around and write this too. Make sure you're just not so obtuse you know. either. Yeah, don't be obtuse. <laughs> yeah, um, that'll get you thrown in the hole. It's just crazy to me. It, it's yeah, I I um I I don't know the proper words. I'm actually scared to say the proper words for this because I don't want to get arrested or anything like that. But um, this is anytime you have something that's completely arbitrary like this, completely subjective. You can't put that in some type of legal standard code because it's completely up for interpretation by whoever wants to interpret it in whatever way they want to interpret it. And I don't know if anyone actually thinks this is going to get passed. I, I don't know if it's actually going to get passed. Maybe someone pr proposed it just to make people mad or something. I, I'm not really sure. Just to get back at all the protesters and stuff like that. But it's it's completely ridiculous. And the, I think Virginia will be ground zero for the Boogaloo. So it's it, it, it's going to happen sometime. We just got yeah. it on the list because I said that. Yeah, guys, we <laughs> Google is on the list. Yeah, we got it. It's a quick episode today. Kind of, well, it's fifty minutes. That's fine. Um, we have a great opportunity for you guys. If you want to run a Facebook ad on something that you care about, whether it's the wealth tax, taxation, liberty, libertarianism, whatever it is that you want to run, as long as it is pro liberty, let us know. We got a big Facebook ad account with a lot of followers on our page and the ability to reach. I think in the last month it was about one point three million people. If you want to run an advertisement through our Facebook page, you can go to Good Morning Liberty us slash support or you can go to gmlconnect.com and click on support the show what you'll do is you'll sign up for a subscription maybe it's three five ten twenty bucks a month you'll get a merch item from our store just for signing up so we're losing money to start with just so everyone knows but you'll get a merch item and we'll email back and forth and we'll talk about what it is that you care about we'll pick a specific article a specific video something like that and we will run advertisements on it from our facebook page and you can reach tens of thousands hundreds of thousands of people getting this message out in front of people we are trying to put the rubber to the road to put our money where our mouths are and and just actually try and get this message out there so if you guys want to help do that if you want to help destroy socialism and promote the free market then you can go to gmlconnect.com click support the show and pick three, five, 10, 20 bucks, whatever it is. And we'll run some beautiful, some perfect, tremendous, perfect Facebook ads. Another way to support this show is share it with a friend or an enemy or five enemies. Who knows? We always say you're communist uncle. Cause everybody has one of those. Uh, probably one of your friends is a Bernie support Sanders supporter, you know, yeah. so. which in which case you need to consider who you pick as your friends. Yeah, honestly. And, and send them to BernieLies.com for some education yeah. on, on real life things. Yeah. So BernieLies.com, LizLies.com, share the show with a friend and uh, leave us a rating and review. Those things are nice to read. You guys are very nice out there. The show's growing like crazy. Lots of new listeners, lots of new reviews coming in. So um, leave us one of those rating reviews. That actually helps us in all the algorithms when people search for the show and stuff like that, when people look for Liberty. So you guys do all that. If you do all that, we'll be back again tomorrow. Do this all over again. Hope you guys have a good day and a good morning, Libertas.